Hello and welcome to Bite Back Chats Books. This week we're handing the mic to journalists David Clegg and Kieran Andrews. Their new book, Breakup, examines the complicated relationship between SNP giants Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmond. In particular, looking at the fallout of Scotland's largest ever Me Too case and what it means for the party today. Welcome both. David Clegg and Kieran Andrews, welcome to the Bite Back Virtual Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. We're here to talk about your book, Breakup, which uh, should be out by the time this podcast is out. Um, so, yeah, let's just get right into it. So basically, it's a book, um, I mean, as far as I understand it, looking at the relationship between Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmon, these two kind of titans of Scottish politics, um, whose relationship kind of, at least for me, really does... I guess just sum up the past, what, 10, 20 years of Scottish politics, because they've been so influential in literally everything that's gone on there. It is quite crazy to think that these two people have had such a hand in like, not just Scotland, but like in the way the UK, just like the headlines and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, just to get started, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about yourselves, kind of how you came involved in reporting Scottish politics, like how are the past 10 years or 20 years even, like how has politics changed since you started reporting on that well i will i start karen yeah yeah so ba- there's there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover there so uh <laughs> kieran and i have known each other for a long time we were both um both political journalists uh during the independence referendum in scotland in 2014 and i think that's probably the period that you're talking about there there was a moment when the scottish independence referendum took place in the autumn of 2014 and that was obviously a big dramatic moment in Scotland but also also had massive implications for the rest of the UK so it was a it was a it was a big prominent moment for Alex Hammond and Nicola Sturgeon on the the UK stage and then of course subsequent to that the uh, 2015 Westminster election uh, Nicola Sturgeon had taken over from Alex Hammond by that stage and that was an election where the SNP were were very very prominent in the in the in the national debate because there was a thought oh could Labour be going into coalition with the SNP and uh, there was so so I think that moment is probably the moment when certainly the Scottish National Party and and Scotland's uh, input into British politics was perhaps most prominent on a on a UK level and Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon were the figureheads for that so I think that's there is definitely interest in that but. But, but from our perspective, I guess, the SNP have been in power in Scotland since 2007. They've been the dominant political force for, for 15 years. So that relationship between those two uh, politicians uh, has been central to that success. And then, of course, the way that their relationship has disintegrated and uh, broken up uh, is, is, is the kind of one of the defining characteristics of what the Scottish politics scene is like is like now. So Kieran and I were uh, on different on different newspapers, but we're both covering the day to day politics of Scotland, covering that independence debate, those elections. I think Kieran's tallied up how many referendums and elections we've we've covered in the last ten years. It's 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 been a lot, mm. but of course the, the the element in there of the that that that's really prominent in the book. And while this is a book about Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmon's relationship, it's also a book about Me Too, and 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 it's a book about two civil servants who. Uh, made complaints about Alex Salmond and were pretty much failed by everyone who's had any dealings with them since then. Um, so, so, so there's that dynamic there as well. So while it's a book that has this Scottish political 
central relationship at its heart. It also has implications for everyone in the UK because of the importance of, of, of that political party and the influence it can have. But also I think it has issues, it has ramifications for issues that we're discussing across the world about how you deal with complaints about powerful men and uh, how institutions and organizations can deal with those types of things and um, on what happens when they spill out into the public domain and uh, people need to recalibrate their views of their colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as David's saying, the the partnership of Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon is probably the most successful in uh, British politics in the last 15 years, certainly since Blair and Brown and the rise of New Labour. They took the SNP from being what was effectively still a fringe party, not only into government, but then into this kind of dominating all-powerful government where no one else at the moment even has a look-in or a, a chance of usurping usurping them uh, in terms of being the the largest party, the, the dominant party, um, as as they would call themselves, the natural party of government in Scotland that, in a kind of similar way uh, to, to how the Labour Party used to be seen in Scotland. Um, I mean, as David has been covering the Scottish politics beat for a couple of years longer than me, but I've just looked up our tally here. I think as well as the 2014 independence referendum, the Brexit referendum, obviously, we've done 10 national and local elections, um, mostly from uh, various trains between Dundee and Edinburgh, uh, or where we, uh, between where we uh, live and work. But again, the as David said in the book, chronicles not only the the rise of that relationship and why it was so important to shaping Scottish and to a, a, a reasonable degree UK politics as well but also the as it tracks the breakdown and why it broke down it looks at wider issues and wider issues that still exist issues that are bigger than just our examined or the specific allegations that were made against him. It's about how how institutions, how governments work. And one of the things that hasn't really been reflected on quite a lot in all of this, because it's easy to get drawn into the psychodrama, and it is quite right you should look at individuals and how they have behaved, of course. But there is a bigger issue that... Uh, that I hope comes through in the book, which is about how you know how you deal with uh, powerful men, powerful people, when when accusations are made against them. How again, institutions and governments are able to look at themselves afterwards and have they got the right um, policies in place, and do they actually do anything about them? Do they implement these things properly? Do they protect the people? who they're supposed to protect. Yeah, for sure. There's a, a line I quite like, I think, from the end of the introduction. Journalism is meant to give a voice to the voiceless. We've tried, I think, was the sign-off. I, I mean, I, I find that quite striking. So to kind of go back to the beginning then, obviously Nicola Sturgeon was Alex Salmon's protégé. The two of them effectively stormed to victory the SNP. They made it Scotland's, one of Scotland's most powerful, well, Scotland's most powerful political party. How unusual is their relationship in politics and kind of how what made them so effective as a team? So I think there's part of that 
where we need to understand that they're not politicians in the ordinary sense. They're, they're motivated by one issue more than any other, and that is they want Scotland to be an independent country. And all their political life has been pointed, focused towards achieving that goal. And I think one of the themes of the book is that how their success was based on this idea that nothing is more important than this. So we put aside any personal rivalries. There's not the same, in the early days, there's not the same tensions. They're, they're, they're a small group of incredibly committed and dedicated people that are working towards this end. And when they got together, when Nicola Sturgeon joined the SNP, um, the idea that Scotland would ever be independent was really a crank position. Nobody took it seriously. The, the, the SNP were, as Kieran said, a fringe party that were you know, not taken seriously by the establishment. Together, Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon transformed that party and that movement into an organization which gave the British establishment the fright of their lives in 2014. The David Cameron was talking to the Queen and telling her he wasn't sure if he was going to have a United Kingdom to lead for her in the next week. This is what they achieved. What, what happened then, of course, is that once Alex Salmond stood down and passed on to Nicola Sturgeon and she was taking on that fight, the Me Too movement erupted. And that was something which was very important to her politics as well. She uh, is obviously a dedicated feminist, as everyone is aware, and she takes a lot of her self-image, I think, is that she is an important role model for young girls interested in getting into politics. And she felt that this was you know, an important moment that she wanted to live up to. And then she's faced with the situation that her predecessor and closest political ally is at the centre of the biggest Me Too scandal that the UK seen. And the fallout of how she dealt with that dilemma, that conflict between her nationalism and her feminism, between her duty as a first minister and her duty to her former colleague and mentor, defines the the tension at the centre of this book, which everything else spills out from. Yeah, I mean, both Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon, they're, they're very, very different characters and very different politicians. But a big part of that is why their partnership, their relationship actually worked so well. Um, Salmond is impulsive and a risk taker. He'll put himself out there. He, he has big ideas in a way that very few politicians and Scotland in particular, but also across the UK, have. Nicola Sturgeon is a lot more cautious. She was quite a good person to rein in Salmond. You know, she she also instinctively gets urban Scotland in a way that Salmond appeals uh, more so to um, kind of more rural areas. Allowed, I mean, not exclusively. Both of them have much broader appeal than that. I am simplifying it slightly. But you saw with the two of them in charge, they formed this partnership that allowed the SNP to appeal to almost every part of Scotland. And I think what you've seen actually in a political sense since their relationship dissolved and Alex Salmond left the SNP and formed the Alaba Party is that 
they were as a as a unit actually much more potent and stronger than when they have subsequently uh, split and decided to and and are doing their own their own thing. I mean, obviously Nicola Sturgeon's still phenomenally successful electorally with the SNP. And that's not to take away from any of her achievements there. I suppose every political movement, every political party has a peak and has an optimum point. And it will just be kind of interesting to see at some point over the next few years, we will discover whether the SNP has had its high point already or whether, you know, Nicola Sturgeon would argue that they're pushing towards it potentially at the moment as they as they argue again for a second independence referendum. Yeah, it's all so fluid. And of course, she must have learned a lot from her, you know, from Alex Salmond. And while they were in government, you were talking about me too. Like One of the quite striking things you lay out in the book is these harassment claims that were made against Alex Salmond. I just kind of wondered, like, obviously, in terms of this being maybe the biggest Me Too scandal certainly in politics that the UK has seen like why did it take so long to come to light and what that says I suppose about the way that politics is run in the UK but also the way that the politics is run in Scotland and the SNP party it's a very big question but <laughs> well I'll maybe try a little bit of it mm-hmm. um so I think well the first thing to say is that Alex Salmond went to court and was acquitted of all of all charges he did mm-hmm. in that court court case admit to some behavior that certainly would be would fall short of what you would perhaps hope and expect from a first minister i think the answer about what it says about scotland or the uk and how they deal with these issues is pretty bleak i don't think there's much happy news to be found in here that this is a cautionary tale really and there's one fact that we start the conclusion of the book with which i think speaks to that the, the, the harassment allegations made by the original two civil servants against Alex Salmond are still officially on the books of the Scottish government. From a legal standpoint, they have not been investigated and, the, and that those issues have not been resolved. And the fact that that is the case is clearly unsatisfactory for everyone involved, not only the women who uh, put their head above the parapet and made the complaints, but also Alex Salmond, who still has this stain on his character that he denies. As regards to why it happens, I think there's a Scottish dimension that's perhaps specific to that. And there is wider implications for the rest of the UK and other other places as well. So these Miss A and Miss B, as they're known, the two women who came forward in uh, the aftermath of the Harvey Weinstein scandal and said that they had had these experience, historic experiences of Alex Salmond, but that they dated back to late 2013 and the first half of 2014. And during that period, Scotland was heading towards the independence referendum. And as Kieran and I can testify to, that was a particularly fraught period where there was a lot of tension in Scottish politics because everybody knew that we were having a debate and a vote that was going to be more high stakes than any election because you weren't deciding who was going to govern you for five years. You were deciding the very identity of your country for the rest of history. So under those circumstances, if you're working for the man who's not only the first minister of Scotland, but the most powerful man in the country, and also the figurehead of this campaign that is under such intense scrutiny and the stakes are so high on, 
if you have a problem with his behavior and you're a relatively junior civil servant, what can you do about that? I don't think I have an answer. I'm not sure what the better process is. I, what what they, they spoke to their line managers, as we document in the book, at the time, they didn't want to formalize a complaint because they realized the significance and the potential implications of that. And the civil service proved entirely incapable of dealing with it under those circumstances. You fast forward to late 2017, early 2018, when there's a very intense public conversation going on across the world about these types of issues. And they come forward again, this time, initially at least, really just trying to share their experience in the way of helping to shape how these procedures, these new procedures that are being put in place, not just by the Scottish government, but organizations and institutions around the world, to shape how they can be made better. And that snowballs into uh, a situation that leads to a very public criminal trial and all the fallout, uh, all the political and social fallout that the, the book catalogues. But ultimately, Alex Salmond feels that he has been treated unfairly by this process. The women feel that they've been abandoned and that, that they're horrified by how it has turned out. If you're a woman now in a position in Scottish public life, particularly in politics, and you're experiencing some of these issues, you could have no confidence that it's going to be dealt with properly if you come forward because look what the most public experience of it has been, a disaster all around. And the Scottish government is now trying to put in place new and better procedures. They've got their work cut out. I mean, they really do. And the issues that David speaks to there are are very much still there and go wider than harassment or sexual harassment as well. Something that was very striking during the evidence sessions during the, of the Scottish Parliamentary Inquiry into how the government had just made a complete mess of the the investigation into Missy and Miss B's complaints. Um, some striking evidence by Dave Penman from the FDA union who represents civil servants. He said that the the number of complaints against Scottish ministers for bullying has increased in recent years and is much, much higher than any other part of the civil service. There's a couple of those examples that have been that have been made public where ministers have, have denied bullying investigations are still ongoing. Most of them have remained behind closed doors. Most of it has remained informal. It's exactly the same situation that we not exactly the same, but it's a very similar situation to what we saw in the cases of Salmond in terms of that big picture of how do you deal with a situation where somebody feels their boss is not behaving correctly, but their boss is a very powerful, influential political figure at a time where 
and it's felt like this. You know, we 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 made light of it earlier about the amount of elections that we've covered, but it does feel that every moment in Scottish politics is on the verge of the next great big crucial election. So how does anything get resolved in a way that doesn't that isn't influenced by the politics of it? And that's a massive challenge, not just in Scotland but across the UK. I think one other part of the book that's relevant to what Kieran's talking about is we also document the committee inquiry. So the Scottish Parliament set up on a, a committee to um, look into how the government had botched their investigation so badly. And I think that that committee inquiry was an equally unsatisfactory experience for everyone involved. And the reason for that was pretty, for pretty similar reasons, that it was being carried out in the spectre of the election we just had in May, it was happening just a few months before the before May's election. Nicola Sturgeon is romping to victory again, uh, as far as all the polls are saying, as, as it transpired, she did. But the point about that was is that her opponents or the opponents of the SNP in that committee were unable to detach themselves from the political implications and considerations so that what we didn't get was an inquiry that attempted to shine a light on what had went wrong in that investigation and make recommendations of how we could improve it in the future and make experiences better going forward. Instead, they tried to use the committee just as a political tool to damage Nicola Sturgeon. Initially, they thought that that committee inquiry would be looking into whether she helped cover up any impropriety on behalf of Alex Salmond whenever they were working so closely together. And because there were, because the, that clearly wasn't the case by that stage, because Salmond was clearly trying to damage her for refusing to help him make the investigation go away, they instead turned their attention to the even more extreme uh, conspiracy theory, which was gaining some purchase in the Scottish political world that Sturgeon had actually tried to frame him which was not in the remit of a parliamentary inquiry. Uh, criminal conspiracies are generally the matter, a matter for the police. Um, and so that committee inquiry was a complete waste, wasted opportunity as well. And the reasons for it were very similar, were that political positioning was more important in trying to get to the bottom of what it went on and how to make things better. Yeah, and that, that applied to, to both sides. You had, as David said, the, the opposition parties by the end almost operating as a as a block to to find anything that could harm or undermine Nicola Sturgeon and then the SNP members on the committee operating entirely as a block to snuff out anything that might be in any way damaging to to Sturgeon and it just left a situation where you have a report from this committee that in many ways it's quite interesting, quite thoughtful, but it has been completely overshadowed, completely undermined by the behaviour of its own committee members and the complete disregard that they ended up showing to the women who came forward. The women who, each of them, every time they opened their mouths, said were the most important people in this before instantly undermining it with their own actions. And then leaking confidential evidence that they give, which is just one of those draw-dropping moments I think but whenever I mean we had lived for, through it fairly recently whenever Kieran and I were, were writing this a couple of months ago but just reliving that moment in the book you're like that after everything that's happened they then try to the, they try to help the committee by 
giving evidence to them and that it's, they find it in the papers within a day or two. So after all these blunders and these meetings and these political machinations, what is the situation now then? Is, with Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon, like, what's their relationship like? I assume it is not fantastic. Uh, and then how has the incident affected Scottish politics and also the SNP? Because essentially it's been riven now, hasn't it? It's like this massive divide, these two titans on either side. Yeah, the, um, I mean, the SNP has literally split. Now, Alex Salmond launched his uh, Alaba party, which completely crashed at the Holyrood election in May um, with a very low vote share. Um, what that did do was it saw a lot of people in the SNP who are unhappy with Nicola Sturgeon's style of uh, government, who don't feel she's pushed hard and fast enough on independence, and who supported Alex Salmon and thought he was treated badly um, by the SNP leadership. It kind of naturally gave them a break within the party. In some ways, it actually it actually made the, the break a lot cleaner than it could have been. There were plans within the SNP to, to have a purge of people who they thought had... Um, you know, been disloyal to Nicola Sturgeon and had were causing problems. And actually, by Salmon launching his own party, it drew them out. Uh, it drew them out naturally. But it has created this divide in the nationalist movement in Scotland. What was once an incredibly unified force, and right up to twenty fourteen, you had this incredibly diverse group from people who would vote for a, a kind of pretty, in some cases, to the right of the current Conservative Party in an independent Scotland to the Scottish Socialist Party, all under this one umbrella and all singing from the same hymn sheet, no matter how difficult they, some of them found parts of it to, to swallow. So now you have a series of factions of people with different ideas about what independence should look like, of what the timetable should be. And that is the next big test for Nicola Sturgeon, for whatever any future independence movement may look like if we get to a stage where there's another referendum. Yeah, it's, it's such a massive subject to talk about. I appreciate this. And I could honestly be asking you both questions for the next half hour, but uh, it is a half hour podcast. So I think I'm just going to kind of wrap things up by asking you both what you think uh, or what you hope people will take away from reading Breakup. I, I can start on that one, Kieran. I think I I hope we we have achieved and I believe we have achieved what we set out to, which was when Kieran and I got together and dis discussed this book earlier in the year, we were both frustrated with how the public debate about this issue had developed and that there was a lot of particularly on the internet there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation out there and that the political history of this is really important and and what the implications of the breakup of the SNP and the split between Alex Hammond and Nicola Sturgeon the ramifications of that are going to go on in Scottish politics for years to come. But equally, there is this other issue that we've spent quite a bit of time discussing today about, you know, the, the, these women 
where this the process was the civil service didn't do anything about the fact that they were raising complaints at the time, botched an investigation into it subsequently, forced them into a criminal process, which they both had doubts about wanting to get involved in, and then pretty much just abandoned them afterwards as and, and regards to the, the committee inquiry. And still their complaints remain unresolved. And Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon are two of the most familiar faces in Scotland. Everybody knows who they are. Everybody has heard them talk about these issues at length. The women are only known to their closest family and friends and have had to live through these last three years without really being able to tell their story properly. And I I think this book is able to help with that while also explaining and contextualizing the politics and implications of of this dramatic period yeah this this was a story that as it was being told piece by piece um as it was happening it didn't ever feel like you got the full overview the full implications of what had happened and what we have really tried to do and i i really hope that we've come close to achieving it no one can ever tell anything like this completely comprehensively with absolutely everything in but we've tried very hard to come as close as possible and it's not about it's not about re-examining um Alex Ammon's behavior in terms of you know retrying him or or saying anything about making any judgments about investigations into his conduct it's it's not about revisiting these things it's about trying to explain what happened why it happened and shine a light on where things should be going now and i think we've i think we've come pretty close to that and i really hope that we have managed to do that david karen thank you very much thank you thank you thanks for listening to another white back podcast if hearing David and Kieran's insights on Scottish politics has piqued your interest, then why not check out their new book, Breakup? It's out now and available from all good bookshops. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Until next time.